Thanks for listening to Marketing B2B Tech, the podcast from Napier where you can find out what really works in B2B marketing today. Welcome to Marketing B2B Technology, the podcast from Napier. Today, I have two guests. I'm joined by Asaf Darash, who's the founder and CEO of Regpack, and Kirsty Dorr, who's the CEO of Webio. Welcome to the podcast, both of you. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Great. Well, it's great to have you both on, and we're obviously going to talk a little bit about a project you've done together. But before, I mean, maybe I can just ask you to um, give us a little bit of background about your career journey and also introduce your company and what it does. So, Kirsty, I don't know if you want to go first. Yeah, sure. So, I am Kirsty Dorr. I'm CEO at Webio, who we are going to talk about today alongside Asaf. We are B2B website personalization um, solution working with customers purely in the B2B space to help drive their conversion rate optimization through website personalization. I am now vendor side and feel very passionate about what we do because as a B2B marketer who's been client side and agency side, I understand the pain of driving really great quality traffic to your website and then not getting you know, much more than a few percent of that, that traffic actually convert into valuable opportunities and ultimately revenue. So that's why Webio was born. And I think the reason I feel so passionate about it is because prior to Webio, I was agency side. So I built up, uh, ran a B2B marketing agency, really B2B. We worked with a range of different clients, everyone from software to professional services to um, digital transformation. We won some awards. We were very, um, we are very, I would say they are very demand gen focused. So results driven, which fits perfectly with the offering that that we have in have in Webio and it just seemed like a an ideal transition for me you know looking to move out of the agency space to go into a business where I could really see the value of the product and also how that would bring revenue into the clients that that we worked with so that's a bit about me I I love that you've you know moved into a company that solved a real problem that you had in your previous role that's that's brilliant and Asaf, can you tell us a little bit about Regpack and, and how you ended up founding and uh, running the company? Sure. So Regpack is, is basically an onboarding tool for, for businesses, mainly uh, service-based businesses. The best way to think about Regpack is Shopify for services. That's the easiest way. It sort of like encapsulates exactly what we do. Services have unique needs that normal um, e-commerce does not have. Um, mainly the, the problem of space and time and, and the way that, that they can give their offering only in specific situations. They have quota problems. They don't have shipping problems. It's, it's very, very different. And it's really missing in the market right now that services have a dedicated platform for them. My, my personal background is, is, is somewhat different. I started as a, with an academic career. Uh, I was a Fulbright scholar. I did uh, my PhD at Berkeley, and then uh, later my postdoc was at Berkeley and in Stanford. I mainly was interested in computer languages and how they affect human action, uh, as nerdy as can get. And while I was doing my my first and second degree, I also built two technology companies. It was mainly like code that I sold one to um, you know big seller company, and and the other to to a venture capital eventually, like totally sold. I didn't want to do anything with it. And then what happened is I I started building 
a prototype uh, during my, my PhD to see if you can build something that has no constants in it, only variables. I built a prototype, I saw, I, I showed that it's possible, and I was like, okay, great. You know, a lot of times you build something in the academia and they're like, yeah, it's fine, that's it, we're done. And then like, I remember my, uh, my professor at MIT is like, you know, okay, so, so who needs this? I'm like, I don't know, I don't care. And he's like, no, but who needs this? And he's like, go, go check if someone needs it. And, and that sparked a real interest in me to find a real use case that would use that. And um, I noticed that services have unique uh, business processes that are different from each other. What's very different from a, a service-based business and, and like a, a just an e-commerce or, or just someone selling stuff is that they have an onboarding process. Think of it like your lawyer, your doctor, anything that's giving you a service, they have an onboarding process. And the onboarding process is always unique because every business is a bit different. And this fit exactly to what I built because it's like it need, you need to be able to create something that is, is like, it's like it morphs. It's like Lego, right? Like you can put things together. And I was like, okay, let's build a company out of this. And, and Regpack is, is the baby. Well, I mean, I, I love that. I love that, uh, you know, you, you, you came up with this concept and then, then looked for the market and found, found that market that needed the product. Obviously, the reason we've got you both on the, the podcast is to talk about how you two have worked together. So, Asaf, can you tell me, you know, you, you had this business, you know, helping service companies on board. What was the problem you had? And then why did you go to Webio? So the biggest problem that we had, and we still have in Regpack, is our biggest strength. Okay, we can cater at the same time to a SaaS company, to a camp, to a conference, to a lawyer's office, and to a doctor's office at the same ease. Now, if if you walk into a restaurant and you see that they serve sushi and steak and pasta, you'll say like, "This sucks, right? This restaurant, the food is totally terrible, right?" And you walk out, and that was exactly our problem. Like people would see that and they would be like, "There's no way you can do all this. There's no way that you can do this in a good way." And the thing is, like, because the technology is so unique in how it enables it, um, it's very hard for people that are, even for people that are technical, to, to believe that this is possible. And, and that was the problem, where we would talk to a client, and, and they would be very, like, they wouldn't believe that this is possible. Now, on the other hand, this is exactly our strength. Because no business does one thing. They always do multiple things. Think of a school. A school has the actual school. They have the after school. They normally have a camp. And they normally have a bunch of events and conferences, right? And this is just a, like a normal school, right? Now, that means that a school is using between four to five different softwares just to run basic functions, which is terrible, right? So on one hand, when the client understands that we can do all these things for them and they start doing the various things, they become a client for life because from their perspective, replacing Regpack is replacing it with five softwares, which no one's going to do, right? But actually getting them to start was close to impossible because they didn't believe that you can do all these things. And they would just like, you know, zone out right in the beginning or, or never convert. When, when we found Webio, I felt like, you know, wow, I found the solution at last. Because we could detect what they're initially interested in, like why they came in. Okay, think of it like, I don't know, the restaurant analogy. Again, the person wants to eat sushi, so you're just giving them a menu only of what you serve for sushi. And they're like, okay, great, this is a sushi restaurant. This is what I want to eat. 
And then they're like, okay, I'm willing to listen to you guys. I'm willing to see the demo. And we even took it a step further in the initial communications with the client. We never tell them that we can do other things. If they came in only for a conference, we're like, yeah, we're just conferences. Oh, that's the only thing we do. Only conferences. And then only when they actually become a client, the the project manager that works with them the first time, they're like, okay, these are all your options. What do you want to build? And they're like, what? You can build all these different things? I'm like, yeah, whatever you want. And they're like, wait a second. So I can do the conference and the HR together? It's like, yeah, but let's start with your conference. And that's the aha moment for, for people. So Webio really solved a major marketing problem that we had, which on the one hand, it's, it's, it was important to hide it, like to, to, to hide this ability, but eventually it's our strength. So it was sort of like they, they, they created the exact balance that we needed. That was one of the most bold approaches that Regpack took because so many B2B marketers, organizations wouldn't take that chance. They would still say, but we still have to say all this other stuff because shareholders and you know the sales team and and you know the fact that obviously Asaf is a CEO and founder he could he could make that decision but it, it was pretty bold and it really really paid off you know restricting the experience to just what that that buyer was interested in and then getting them into the organization so yeah really powerful yeah I, I mean I think it's a great idea it's very much almost uh rather than looking for an ideal customer, you find out what the customer wants and then you create their ideal product. I, I think that's a, a really neat approach. Was that what you were thinking, SF? I wouldn't say that we were creating their ideal product, but we were presenting the product as ideal for them. The product is the exact same product all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just that we present it as, how, do, how would I say? It's very similar to the computer. Okay, like the computer can do a lot of things, right? It it can compute, it can create, it can be a communication machine, it can be um, a number crunch. It it does like in 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 the academia, the computer is 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 called the all-purpose machine, right? Now, if you try to present to to normal people that the computer is all-purpose machine, they'll be like, "What are you talking about? I use it in order to call my friends and send like you know emojis. That's what it is for me, right?" So it's about speaking the language in a way, which, by the way, one of the things that we do in the software as well is like if you have a camp, we change all the verbiage to campers and, and let's say, families. Okay? And if you're doing a conference for, for a company, we change the verbiage to employees and companies. And, and that lowers people's anxiety just right away. I love that. I mean, I think one of the things people are going to wonder is you, you mentioned this, Asav, that you are able to work out what people are interested in when they come on your website. So, I mean, Kirsty, you're providing the technology that does that. How do you do that? I mean, that's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there are a number of different ways to do that. And um, the most used way for the wider Webio customer base is IP data. So we can identify, based on a business's IP address, as soon as they hit the website, the industry that they're in, the vertical that they sit in, and then serve that personalized experience across the whole site from the minute that they hit the website. And ASAF and the, the team um, use that for some of their major sectors, particularly education. But what 
Redpack did that was really smart is they layered on behavioral personalization alongside that because some of the sectors that Redpack focus on are particularly niche. I mean, he mentioned camps. It's not something that's very easy to identify based on a SIP code or a NACE code. And obviously, we can integrate with HubSpot. We can pull in the data that's already in the the client CRM, but using behavioral personalization where a visitor goes onto the website and hits those key product pages, so identifies themselves, right, okay, I am in the camp vertical or I am in education and then in real time changing that entire experience so that it's all completely you know using the verbiage that that um as I've talked about earlier in real time okay I'm looking for software for my camp okay great now the whole experience is just relevant to that and everything else that applies to other ways that the software might perform for other industries is hidden and it's all just laser focused on offering that to the customer and that was why they increased conversion and then subsequently better quality of leads as well because people knew exactly what they wanted when they came in as a lead and I think that the final bit that I know that we've we talked about um, before was we can see by someone's behavior once they visited the website but we came up with together a really great idea around getting prospects to self-identify and confirm themselves what vertical they sat in, what they were interested in as soon as they hit the website, whereby we couldn't identify behavior because there exists something called cookies and we need first party cookies to be able to do that. So Asaf's dev team got involved, we were working together so that when a visitor hit the website, they were served a pop-up experience that asked them to identify the industry that they were in. It then pushed them into that behavioral experience. And again, the whole thing changed. And once they were in that, they were in that for their entire customer journey. So, I mean, I don't know if you wanted to add anything on that, Asaf, because it was a, it was definitely a collaborative approach. Yeah, I want to add basically um, how we reach these points, because probably the listeners are like, you know, so how did you come up with all of these ideas, right? So the way that we started is we started with the IP data. We started with the IP data and we were like a, I think five or 7% personalization um, of the visitors and we were seeing good numbers. Once we personalized, we were seeing good numbers. And we said, okay, so now our goal is to reach 50%. We want 50% of the visitors to be personalized. Now, how do we do this? In the beginning, we were like, okay, let's use Google. Um, we, have, we have very strong SEO and what happens is Google will send people to a pillar page, like a page that is talking about exactly about what they're interested in. So we said, okay, anybody who hits this page automatically gets uh, personalized. So if anybody hits a camp page, from this point on, Redpack is just for camps. Uh, or anybody who hits after school, from this point on, it's only after school. So first we were using Google. Okay, Google is helping us. Obviously we were using also the, the landing pages and any, any, any page search, etc. So I think, with that, Christy, we reached like 15 or 16%. And yeah. we were like, okay, this is great, but it's not enough. We need to go a step further. So at this point, I brought in my dev team and I'm like, okay, let's, let's create a pop-up on the, the website that we can control if they can close it and, and how long before it pops up, which basically tells them what do you want to build today? Okay, or, or, or what are you looking for? And it took a long time to find the exact 
time uh, that will pass when they're on the page to have it pop up so that the bounce rate won't go up, if to allow them to exit out or not allow them to exit out. It was like a real, as you understood before, like I'm very analytical and scientific. So it was all like, you know, very, very done in a very scientific way where we were looking at data all the time. And eventually we got like, you know, the, the right combination. And right now what's happening, there are specific pages that we give, it's between 35 to 42 seconds to actually read the page. And then a pop-up comes up and you're locked in. You have to say like what you're interested in. And what happens is they're sent to the pillar page. And we do that also to help them understand, you know, what we can do for them, but mainly in order to personalize. Because from this point on, they will be personalized to that specific vertical that they said that they're interested in. And that's when we started seeing really high conversion rates. I also want to say something that's very interesting that happened. The number of leads did not go up in like, you know, a crazy amount. It went up um, about twice right? Which is amazing, right? But the biggest difference was the quality of the leads. The, the way that we measure it is like we, we care about the leads and then we say, okay, who are invalid leads, uh, no contact leads, etc. And then eventually we have how many leads are actual possible deals, okay? And if in the past we had about 27 to 30% of leads became possible deals, we're at 67% now. 67% of our leads are possible deals. It means that they come in, they understand exactly what they're going to get, and they're interested in talking to us. They don't like cool down and like, no, I don't want to talk to you guys. And that was the major difference. So in a way, the personalization is like Webio is one element of the personalization, but it goes through the whole system where the email that they get is based on the pillar page, like the email after they become a lead is based on the pillar page they came in. Everything is personalized. All the experience, the, the, the specific team that works with them in sales is only the team that takes care of this vertical. And then the PM that works with them is only the team that works on this. So the, the personalization goes throughout all their experience. And then, like I said, they have the aha moment only at the end of like, we can do more for you. But Webio really like beyond giving us the technology to do a lot of these things, they gave us the understanding that we need to have this type of personalization throughout the process. And that's impressive because actually what you're saying is the impact on volume of leads, which was 2x is actually slightly less than the impact on quality where, you know, the, the percentage quality has gone up about two and a half times. So presumably a lot of that is you're actually moving prospects further down that customer journey before they're, they're filling in the form. Um, sure. and, and just doing some quick maths, it's like, it sounds like you've got about five times the number of opportunities than you had prior to using Webio. Yeah, that's about right. I've got to ask this question. I mean, you've talked about a lot of things. You've talked about the pop-up. You've talked about, you know, doing the the optimizations around where people land. I, I mean, Asaf, how much time and money did this take to actually implement? I mean, is this an incredibly expensive and time-consuming process? It's not expensive because it's only, you know, you need to think about the ideas. So uh, you just need to be sharp, I guess. In terms of, like, uh, time, it took about, I think, Christy, like, Six months until we reach this point, right? 
but it's like it's con continuous iterations. Now, maybe it's my my software background and the understanding. It's this, this is how you build software iterations. Like you you constantly try to improve it. Like you're, you're like, okay, we reached the point. What? How do we make it better? How do we make it better? How do we make it better? By the way, um, in our emails, like our motto in the company is is getting better. Like that's what we believe in. Like constantly getting better. So it was like. For us, it wasn't like trying to reach an endpoint, and I think we're not in an endpoint too right now. Like we're continuing to improve on it all the time. Now that we've reached a high number of, of personalizations, you know, you get greedy. You know, so let's have seventy percent. Uh, so, so it's it, yes, it's time consuming, but it's like part of what you do. Like marketing is is this is what you do. You constantly look at numbers. You constantly try to improve the numbers. You you find ways that that you can do something that is smart. If you do what everybody else is doing, then yes, you're going to spend a lot of money and you're not going to see results. I, I mean, that sounds great. One other question I'm interested in: a lot of people, when it comes to personalization, are worried about privacy and GDPR and, and um, legislation. Now, Kirsty, you were very specific in that you mentioned you use first-party cookies. So, this is obviously something you've thought about at Webio. What are you doing to make sure that people can personalize but still say the right side of all this privacy legislation? Yeah, of course. So. Obviously, IP doesn't fall under the same legislation as GDPR because we aren't processing personal data. So, um, you know, the ICO have worked with us on that. And, you know, we're really clear about the opportunity there. We are identifying a business IP address and marketing to a business is no way to personally identify. So I think that will always be a part of the future. But the, you know, first party cookies provide great context and so it's just about leveraging that as much as possible most of our well, all of our behavioral personalization sits behind uh, cookie consent so obviously we give the the buyer the opportunity to receive that personalization once they've accepted cookies I think you know it's about working closely with our customers so that their own privacy statement works but also they work hard as well to encourage consent because ultimately the buyer does get a better experience and so so that does continue we're also beyond the first party cookie data that that we capture in in webio we are powerfully able to leverage our customers first party data so any of our customers who have marketo hubspot or pardot will be dropping a cookie on their website for a customer and with consent again capturing that data and they'll have a lot of rich insight on those potential customers and customers that sit in their MA platforms and we're able to pull that into Webio again we're not seeing any personal data all we're doing is knowing that visitor is part of that Marketo smart list so we're going to serve them this experience and we actually do the same with Sixth Sense as well so it's always with permission but doing as much as we possibly can to leverage that data so we don't use any third party cookies it's all first party but ultimately what we are seeing when we do that is a richer experience and also that is when our customers kind of softer stats really start to improve as well because you know we're seeing okay people are getting the experience that's relevant to them more time on site more pages viewed lower bounce rate so I think there's a there's just an ongoing piece to be done by all of us as B2B marketers to educate 
our buyers about the value of you know serving them something that's powerful and relevant like we used to it as consumers so it makes sense in the b2b space too that's great and i i mean i think asaf you know one final question on this is do you think this is all finished now and done or are there things you're looking to do to further improve your uh, number of leads and conversion rate and also the the softer time on site metrics so first of all, we're capitalists and we're greedy, so we want more, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, like we want to improve the conversion rate. We want to give it even a better personalized experience for, uh, to people and, and get more people seeing the personalization. One of the issues is, is exactly what you talked about, the cookies, where I think all Apple users, all their cookies are blocked by definition unless they, they change it. So I'm trying to convince Kersey to, to implement device recognition technology, which GDPR does not cover. And I think that's fine because it's only for that specific session. And from our perspective, that's, that's enough. For example, um, our whole system is cookie-less. We do everything based on device recognition, which from our perspective, is, it works well. I think also one of the possible issues that will arise eventually with IP data and all that is the fact that a lot of people work from afar now. So um, it's very hard to detect what their like what's their industry or what company they're working for, basically. So I, I do think that the future is, is in device recognition, and mm-hmm. and we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of uh, companies pop up that are connected to that and that are creating uh, real value through that. And eventually I'll convince Kirsty to implement that and then we'll see more results. <laughs> yeah, I think um, to add to that, I think, you know, our, our US customers do find it easier with regards to GDPR and, you know, cookies and similar tech as is included in the legislation. The US um, legislation as far as privacy is not as strict as it is in Europe. And, you know, there, there are challenges with businesses I think and this is this is a key thing this is a really good important point to make because I love Asaf saying all of that because he's got the right attitude sometimes within a business the the people making decisions about what should be done with privacy on the website have no connection at all to what that organization is trying to achieve and you know they're implementing things that you know, make it really, really difficult to have a conversation with the buyer with no context of, okay, well, that's going to impact our ability to pop up the chat or serve a demo request. And so organizations have to be connected on privacy and, you know, marketers need to be really informed so they can have that argument back to to the legal team who are just not blindly, but like, you know, there's always ways that you can take advice and ensure that you're combining the best experience with, you know, respecting that visitor's privacy. It's really important. I think that's great advice. I I mean, I really appreciate the time both of you have given us uh, explaining what you've done. It's been fascinating. Um, We like to ask a quick question and and one quick question for both of you. I don't know, Kirsty, if you want to go first, I'd love to know what the Mm -hmm. best bit of marketing advice you've ever been given is. Uh, well, I'll say the P's first and then I'll say why. So, I mean, it's measure everything because if you get the input metrics right, the output metrics happen automatically. And I have to say, when I got into marketing, I did not think I'd be spending my time analysing spreadsheets and data and getting excited about a slight change in percentage. But that now is what drives me. I, you know, I, I definitely was 
of a creative mindset. But I think the, the gift with marketing is that you get to combine that that creativity with, okay, so what has that idea, what has that hypothesis actually done in terms of numbers back into the organization? And I think, you know, I, I see it so much having been agency side and obviously working with clients now that that lack of rigor with regards measurement makes it really difficult for marketers to justify what they're doing. And we should be measuring things like, as I've talked about, right the way through to revenue. It's happening much, much more nowadays, but that's your point of justification. Measure, measure, measure. And, you know, anyone looking to get into marketing, it is exciting. I promise the measurement is exciting. So I don't think you're going to be, oh, maths, but it is, it's the best part of it. Love that. And and I mean, listeners will know that I'm actually, uh, I started my career as an engineer, so I love numbers. So that's great. And and lastly, Asaf, I mean, from your point of view, what's the best bit of marketing advice you've received? I would also agree with Christy. I always tell all my marketing team, leave your ego at the door, bring your creativity. And remember, this is a science. It's a science. It's not, it's not like, you know, the 80s. Uh, where it was about, you know, creating the most creative thing. No, this is a science. You need to find out what is working and then push on that. I would add to that one thing that some marketers fall into. They fall into only looking at the numbers and forgetting that marketing is creativity. You sometimes need to do a leap of faith. You need to say, I think this is what's going to happen. This is exactly we're like what we're talking about here is an example of that. This was a leap of faith. We believed that this will work, and we said, "Okay, let's try it out," and and it worked. Now it could have failed at the same time, and then we would be like, "Okay, fine, let's try something else." But I think that's something that that a lot of marketers today that are starting marketing right with only analytics forget. You still need to be your bring your creativity, and you still need to do those leaps of faith. Uh, where you say, I think this is going to work. Why? I have no idea. I just think it. That's brilliant. I mean, great, great advice from both of you. I really appreciate your time. If people are, you know, interested in finding more about what you've done or about your respective companies, I, I mean, what's the easiest way to contact you? Kirsty? What's, what's the best way to get hold of you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm always happy to hear from people on LinkedIn. So please obviously send me an email if you want to hear more about Webio, understand more about what we've done. Obviously, we've got the website's got loads and loads of rich content on there, but I'm happy to receive contact personally as well via LinkedIn. Awesome. And you, SF? I'm not going to lie. If you send me a message on LinkedIn, you're not going to get an answer. <laughs> uh, um, probably if you want to learn more about RegPack, just Google RegPack and you'll find like a ton of information there. You're a busy guy building a building a company and growing fast. So I, I, I totally understand that. And that, that that's uh, very honest. And I really appreciate that. I thank you both for talking about the, you know, the project you worked on together. I'm sure a lot of people are going to find it, you know, very thought provoking and helpful. I really appreciate you both being on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing B2B Tech. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast application. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at napierb2b.com or contact me directly on LinkedIn.